0: It, it does feel a little bit
1: like um, that episode of The Simpsons where Krusty the Clown is on the run from Sideshow Bob and he ends up broadcasting in this shack and he basically improvs, itchy and scratchy, he uses like a battery and, and a scorpion. So we're going to try and make magic um. much as he did. Hello, you're very welcome along to this week's edition of The Group Chat. I am news correspondent Richard Chambers. I am joined in unusual surroundings. <laughs> I'm going to put it that way, folks. It is a studio. Uh, it's, it's a studio of sorts. You hear the voice there of uh, political correspondent Gavin Riley. Richard, how are you? Uh, great. Um, I don't know where we are, but well, we are joined is- by Zara King as well, I our know. other news correspondent. And we have been wedged into some sort of... Um, some sort of cupboard here in in the bowels of of Virgin Media (laughs) Towers.
0: I think technically this is a podcast studio.
1: It is technically a podcast studio
2: but it is... um
1: yeah, it's 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 not our
2: usual. Yes, we better explain why we're not in our usual. As people may know, um, Virgin Media Television was the subject of an attempted cyber attack uh, at some point late Sunday night or Monday morning. Um, the pre- your usual security precautions that follow that mean that some stuff gets turned off while you try to make sure that any vulnerabilities aren't ex- extended further and whatnot. And basically the whole process of making sure that everything is secure and getting it all back up and running is taking a while. So we're not at 100%... Power in the meantime, uh, and so we are not in our usual studio, nor are we on television this week. We are doing an audio-only version in this salubriously lit uh, podcast studio, yeah. which making is it happen definitely though. not also some kind of dungeon. Yeah. I think
0: the workaround and finding the workaround has been, you know, somewhat fun and challenging. It is, yeah, it's yeah. like
1: it's like a teaser, a puzzle sort of thing. But um, we have this to is say how they
0: made podcasts in the olden days, <laughs> way back when.
1: Uh, but I have to say, uh, some incredible work around the clock by the
2: the tech gurus yeah. here yeah.
1: At, at Virgin Media, really keeping the show on the road and and trying to get everything back online so basically around the clock sort of work from them so huge respect to them
2: and we're still here it's yeah. the podcast they didn't want you to hear. Who's they, Gavin? You've said this multiple times they, over, oh but who look is they? they?
0: They. It's a loose journalistic day. They.
2: They, they. they is whoever. It's these some faceless unnamed third party uh, who didn't want this to happen.
0: Shout out to John Mullen who set up the sound for us today as well. Here. Another one of the That's great gorgeous, engineers. Yeah, yeah who's helped us are out. So
2: many bonus leaves getting sent around at the end of this month. It, it
1: does feel <laughs> a little bit like um that episode of The Simpsons where Krusty the Clown is on the run from Sideshow Bob and he ends up broadcasting in this shack and he basically improvs <laughs> itchy and scratchy he uses like
2: a battery and, and a scorpion so we're going to try and make um, magic much as he did it reminded me of the there's a, a sketch in the mitchell and web look where they're doing a game show from some kind of bunker after what appears to be some sort of nuclear event and they're consistently referred to only the events. Yeah. like let's do the game show but we won't talk about <laughs> the event and that's kind of how I feel we are right now
1: Set up, but like I mean, it's, I suppose Zara. One of the things you covered in recent weeks was the um, the cyber attack on on MTU. Yeah. This is something which a lot of companies, a lot of entities, are are sort of finding more and more. Is, 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 a, is an issue
0: yeah totally so uh, last week we were talking about it and you know Ushin Smith the minister with the responsibility for all of this was saying that MTU actually teaches um, you know cyber security as part of their one of the things they offer uh, in the college so I mean you know if they're teaching it and they're still becoming uh, subject to it it's obviously a clear indication that it really doesn't matter um, how watertight you think the system is everyone is quite vulnerable mm. to uh, cyber attacks so yeah it's been um, yeah it's been a challenging couple of days certainly for Virgin Media but also uh, other organisations who find themselves in this situation um, MTU getting themselves back and running quite quickly I would say compared to uh, that's what Oshin Smith had been saying compared to the HSE that actually they were managed to reopen after a week um, which was pretty mm. good going in fairness um, but yeah so it's becoming a, even more sort of high, re- high risk
2: The one thing we should stress without sending too corporate actually before we go on is that the issues that have affected the company have only affected the TV business so yeah. it, for, for want of a better way of explaining it the old TV3 so if you are a customer of version Media uh, when it comes to broadband or um, television or mobile services or anything else you're not affected by any of this it's only the the broadcasting putting stuff on television part of the business which is affected by this so, but it's funny long may that last
0: absolutely but do you know what even when we all look at it I suppose things like this happen and then it makes you kind of question your own sort of like cyber security or you know like the, the two the two, two step yeah. authentication and, and Twitter and stuff. Trying, to like yeah. now trying to turn
2: that off as well like just the text a message the one now yeah. so you
1: can do it with the, the authenticator app which a load of things like Instagram and like email apps will ask you to have. Okay. So like Google has an authenticator. I think Microsoft has an authenticator yeah. okay. and okay. generates like three, two, like three digit codes and okay. basically you just input them. Mm. So it's, it is, it's, it's very handy to have. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, 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 yeah, I would recommend as much as Elon Musk doesn't want you to have codes <laughs> texted to your phone to try and, you know, protect your accounts on these things. Yeah. Secure
2: your accounts, kids. Uh, story. story. Yeah.
1: Gavin, this week in politics, um, there was a lot of pressure on the government to deliver uh, more solutions solutions probably not the right word but you know answers for the cost of living crisis what Mm. did they
2: come up with Um, what they came up with was a package which ultimately is very simple Uh, and when you think actually that they took two months to contemplate what they were going to do the measures are are pretty rudimentary really so anyone who receives a standard uh, social welfare payment is getting a 200 euro one off lump sum bonus in April sort of akin to a Christmas bonus but you're going to get it around Easter time Um, if you get child benefit then each child is going to get 100 euro more um, in June Um, there's going to be a couple of other things like for example they are discounting school transport next year they're expanding free school meals to everyone who attends a disadvantaged school Uh, but by and large those measures are the sum total of it as far as outgoings are concerned Um, on the tax side this is where things get a little bit trickier because people will have gotten used to for example in the last 12 months um, petrol and diesel being a little bit cheaper than it ordinarily would be because the government cut the excise on that Um, now that excise was due to lapse next week it was meant to go back to its regular rate and the government says, oh, we're going to save you money by, by continuing that uh, temporary tax cut, which look is great because it means that if you are a motorist, then it's a lot cheaper to fill your car this week than it was going to be next week. It was going to go up by about 10 euro per fill and they're sparing you that. But that doesn't feel like an advantage to very many people because they're basically just continuing mm. the level of expense that you've already faced for mm. the last 12 months. Uh, and moreover, because they've announced the dates at which that excise of petrol and diesel is going back up, they've announced that at the end of August, the VAT rate on hospitality is going up. They've announced that in September or October, the VAT rate on household electricity bills is going up. So actually, in some ways, although they are continuing discounts that were going to expire otherwise, people maybe won't really feel like they've got the benefit of them. And actually, this might look a little bit more like a timetable for how your life is going to get dearer, rather Mm. than it being a program by which the government saves you money.
1: But also, Zara, the timing then of all that sort of stuff, if it's elapsing in October, Mm. is that not a bit of a problem then because you're going well, straight you're going into the winter back
0: into the winter again yeah, yeah it is and like you know again we talked about it before we hear from people all the time about the struggles I mean like when the bills are coming in I feel like people now are sharing like their bills on social media like in the same way people used to share just like it's almost like become the a trend of I was going to say like, yeah. I feel like I see a lot of gas bills mm. uh, on Instagram stories now because such is the shock that people are, are kind of experiencing and even you know speaking to um, you know different even business owners and things there's a real struggle even outside of the household setting like for people to keep keep running um, I think running it in October is a very a very unfortunate turn
2: yeah uh, but well although whenever they say anything is October it means that when you get to the next budget, budget they could decide yeah. to continue it onward so basically it means yeah. that we've parked that decision until the next budget the next uh, budget is supposed to be early October yeah. and by deliberately giving that as a time it sort of means then that you're giving yourself time in late September early October to roll it over again it is if you want to, to, to. figure it out if but it we, it, we talked yeah.
0: about it before Richard, like this idea that um, you know this help is much needed absolutely but these prices are are. Like you know, prices are going up now. At what point does the government stop helping people, or how does it? Like, at what point do they continue to roll it over? That's the well, question. Well, this
2: is the issue that the longer yeah. you roll it over, then the more it feels like it's a permanent feature. So even in it the last twelve it might need to months, be a permanent feature. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, the, the problem with like petrol and diesel prices right now is that if um, if you had re-implemented all the excise cuts at the end of February as you were expecting, aside from the panic buying and whether that might create a bit of a supply issue, um, it would b- bring the price of petrol and diesel back to pretty much where it was mm. last March or April when they thought it was necessary to intervene and cut the taxes exactly, in the first yes. place. Mm. Yeah. So you'd be getting yourself back to the exact level where they said, actually, we need to do something to help people out because the haulage industry would really struggle if diesel was consistently at around €2 Euro a litre. Mm. And that's the sort of territory that you're getting into if you were to cut it back again. So like, there, there's a real question as to how you'd ever unpick these things or, or whether now this government and every government that follows is going to have to get used to taxes being that little bit lower and having to make do with a little bit less revenue to pay for all the things you want to do what's Mm. the temperature check on it in
1: terms of like how you know the opposition has responded to it obviously they're probably going to say that you know Mm. doesn't go far enough I've seen groups like Bernardos were already out saying this is great this is a good start this Mm. protects the most vulnerable people who are going through this at this point and you know, other groups will point and say well we needed a little bit more particularly around core social welfare rates those in particular have effectively experienced a decrease yeah. due to inflation mm. but what's been the general sort of the reading what What are the main bones of contention I suppose is the better question well,
2: the, the bones of contention would be the fact that they're, they're rolling back in uh, the excise over the course of the year so you have some hauliers who are a bit concerned that basically it's a charter by which it's going to become harder for them to get by by the end of the year um, One issue which has come up is the fact that although um the Child benefit lump sum payment is going down pretty well because it means that anyone who's got a child in any circumstances gets a hundred euro extra that they weren't going to have otherwise. Um, that it's not a very targeted way of of doing things. That it doesn't necessarily mean that those who are mm. really feeling the pinch the most w- will do any better. Um, the social democrats were pointing out that there's an element of the welfare system called the qualified child payment, which basically is like a top up to your welfare payments if you've got small people in the household as well. And um, that it would have been better to target that because it's an it's a way of directing your money at those who really need it the most. And if you had given them a couple of quid and extra more, you could spend the same money, but you could make a big difference for for people who really need that extra mm. bit of help. And um, by and large, though, it's gone down pretty well. And one of the reasons why I suspect it's gone down pretty well is because there's no there's no NGO or there's no representative group for people who um, work for a living and get by and who are not necessarily. Um, socially vulnerable and who don't get anything out of this because the people who get nothing are those who work and don't receive working family payments or any other kind of social supports they are untouched by all of this the government says look it's not a budget so we weren't expecting to touch you um, but they're the one people who are left behind by all of this but there is no NGO or outreach group or anyone who's tr- directly trying to represent and the squeezed middle, middle or, don't or really the have middle a representative NGO. group so yeah. they're the ones who are if you want overlooked by this but the government will tell you well it wasn't a budget and we only have so much money to go around so of course we're going to target those who are worst off Yeah, yeah
0: and there's an element I suppose of expectation that those people would, would um, support themselves but I think if you spoke to a lot of those people they would tell you they're still really struggling mm. you know and you hear from those and they're the people who are I think we talked about this before in the podcast that are maybe deciding not to visit the elderly relative who lives a good few miles out of town because they're trying to save the fuel so then that relative is not getting the visit uh, these small and, things And what you
2: this is then this well this is the charter through mm. which you know that your petrol is going to become dearer in June mm. and then again in September and then again prospectively in November
1: yeah. Just to remind us what, what has the drop off been I know diesel has gone down for the last two months but what, what's been the drop off do you remember the peak of, of petrol and diesel
2: uh, they, last year what, so, yeah. how, much
1: of it, of, of how much has it come down since then so then?
2: It, it basically approached around 2 euro uh, in the week that the excise cuts kicked in so yeah. it took 15 cents off a litre of diesel and 20 off a litre of petrol mm. uh, and then that left diesel at around about 180 now at the diesel time diesel went up I don't remember
1: at one point it was diesel one was one around over 2 it yeah, well, well, yeah. was there
2: was a point that the day after the excise cut was supposed to kick in yes. the petrol station near here where it was over 2 euro that almost almost overnight the price went up by 15 cent a litre so that Mm -hmm. when you took the excise off now the excise does take a couple of days to dribble through because the stuff that's in the forecourt has already had the excise pays on it so it it always takes a day or two it's so contentious it's so contentious people go mad on social media they're always
1: like this is the old stuff we bought the old stuff the stuff
2: stuff that's in the pump today is stuff that the garage bought in yesterday or the day before so they've already paid the excise Right. Okay. so it always takes 24 hours or 48 hours before they get their next fill before they can actually pass on Mm. um, any difference in price even though I and many others always fall into the trap of saying on budget night oh well it's going up five cent from midnight well it's not midnight It's it's midnight plus Whatever so time you're, it takes So are the
0: person Driving to the petrol station To fill the car <laughs> that's from that's Straight that's always, from the door That's
2: always <laughs> supposed To be a false economy Because the amount of uh, Money you, you spend On the fuel To get you to the right. filling station Is more than what you'd save so What is the lowest be
0: Diesel price you've seen Around lately I'm just trying to think 168 Something yeah. 168 yeah. There is, I've seen 168 I, There yeah. is
2: one In Crumlin Which I think is 161 At the moment Stop 161 Yeah, yeah. And, and and petrol is 151.
1: I think I saw it like one sixty three at some point. Yeah, yeah. have yeah, you seen one sixty three? I think I definitely have. Yeah, it stuck out in my mind. I was like whoa. Quite, yeah, and then you're looking go being
0: on. like, I actually don't need diesel right now. Home, Going in I? for yeah. a bonus top of, yeah, just because it's so
2: good. Um, I only need twenty quid's worth, but you'll take I it at this price. I feel like
0: so. I know, but it's funny. Like though, so I actually, I, it sounds so um, ridiculous. But I feel like the, the the task of filling the car is so messy. Is I hate the smell of the diesel and everything. I feel like it's such a dirty job. Isn't it? I know it's so ridiculous, but um, I do, I know. Sorry, I know you're judging me massively for saying this, I but you I, can I, get I the gloves hate gloves behind the. No, no, no. I know, but do you when you go in and they don't have the, gloves, the gloves. I find the whole thing about like ugh and then like your hands, it's gross. But I feel like I've been because. I don't know. It's just I feel like I'm filling my car up more than ever now, and I feel like I'm doing this like dirty. I just do thirty euros time. every
1: time. This yeah. is this is gonna be so like no, a, this, I this is the Neil yeah, <laughs> thing yeah. Yeah. because
0: of the changes all the time. Is that we see? I, no, I just think it's just easier. It's quicker, isn't it? <laughs> oh, is it? We see because I find it such a like dirty task, and I pick your clothes get whatever. So I just do. I fill it up because I'm like I don't want to have to do it again. But it just uh, seems to be relentless. I, I like, used to constant. always
2: be a point of right. I need fuel. I'll fill it up because it saves you the inconvenience of having to stop. Where's again?
0: the four court young lads that used to be working on the four court? Well, like, where's <laughs> that guy where's that guy gone if
2: you are a former four court operator Yolette, I loved uh, them. Where are you do, do get yeah. in touch what when you did at? they
0: when did they stop becoming a thing when when you, uh, a good long time ago did they I yeah. really there's miss one, them there's the
1: one the apple green on the way out of Dublin if you're going down um
0: they have a four. The M7 doesn't.
1: It? No, it's an, it's an older fella.
0: Oh, great. Yeah. He does
1: it. On the M7, just past Rathcool. Yeah, it is that one. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty pretty sure that was only last year I saw a man doing that. I think
0: that. that's lovely. I would great. love. I think that's pretty great. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's like a lovely. I mean, I would pay the extra money to have that task. There you I go. Nice, Having yeah.
2: mentioned that now, I feel like there's a conversation we could get into about our favourite motorway services, but I feel like our motoring chat well, is. Let's do
0: it. Let's do it. Best petrol might station in Ireland. Might Name hold it, it over
2: for next week. I'm, you know, doing, no, take I'm doing it. i We're, We're here now. Put your money where your mouth is, Gavin We're here now, now Gav. What is it? Um, Best petrol station in
0: Ireland. We've got a solid track. Well, the out, one,
2: the ah, ones yeah. I use most often are the, 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 the apple greens on the M1 at uh, Lusk or um, Castle Laney. Good, good, like yeah, good thing all station, that yeah. is. I knew <laughs> you'd say that. Um, I like that one. And there's also a nice one. I can't remember who the operator is, but there's a new one at... Um, Kill Cullen when you just branch off oh. the M9 after the M7. Oh, actually, is when it's got a McDonald's drive-through. That's quite nice. For Moy, for Moy's one. Is oh, really I put good. him
0: there for sleep the other day. Class. Lovely. Big, very big, nice. Big
2: car
1: park there. Big
0: car park, well lit. Won't get murdered if you have an app in there. Fantastic. Good
1: stack of sandwiches. Everyone. Yeah. It's it's outstripped uh, Obama Plaza. Actually, one for oh. your your neck of the woods. Great toilets mm. in there um, as well. Very is, clean.
0: Is it Park
1: Henri in in Kells? It's um a newish service station there. Oh, oh it's it's fancy. Where's and it has a full oh, set down, sit down restaurant as well your car for yeah. Unbelievable!
0: So I went to um, what's the one on the M8 with the McDonald's in it in Care? is it Care or Cashel? Yes,
1: Cashel, 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 cashel yeah.
0: right? So last week I was collecting my cousin and the wife and the little little fellas three in from Sweden from the airport in Cork, and I'm going down the road, and I had to get a few bits for the house or whatever. Wasn't going to make it you know to the airport and mm-hmm. the shop at the same time, so I decided to do basically a full week's shopping in Circle K <laughs> <laughs> off the M8. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: so if you I saw a, a way, oh. news correspondent oh. with a full so trolley I have to show you this <laughs> video right so
0: I'm in there right and like I'm I'm watching the time because I have to get down to the airport and anyway I say to them can I have a basket and they're like nobody Boy, Abbas, would ever yeah. need a basket and, so <laughs> That's okay. Okay. and I'm like you haven't got any baskets they're like no and in fairness if they're listening the girls they were so helpful Like there's a bunch of people working the shop going around grabbing milk, bread, sausages all the bits right toys for Could the child did you make them
2: work as a human basket Jesus.
0: I didn't make no they offered to do it because they're very good and very nice people <laughs> I didn't they were very big queue nice. forming
1: at the front of the right. shop there.
0: <laughs> so I'm now like I'm that person who's holding up a whole till here, right? Look at this. So I anyway, know they basically, right? i no one can see this because we're not on TV right now. But uh, this is the
1: worst week to show videos. That, video, is, that is such a long receipt
2: they're holding Jeez, because basically
0: no. what happened was when I got to the till and they rang everything through. Thank you to the girls who work in Circle K off the M8. Um, they couldn't complete the transaction because they had exceeded the number of items that you're allowed oh to buy in Circle sake. K and they were like nobody ever comes in and buys this many things in Circle K so they had to start removing items off the, anyway long story short it's a great uh, it's a great petrol station the staff are lovely um, but you can't get a basket in a Circle K because it turns out you never need it has gone in point a
2: direction
1: I'm so that. sorry <laughs> know what we're also has in. the longest queue of any McDonald's drive-to if you're ever looking hard for McFlurry yeah hard degree you yeah. ever drive past ca- uh, Castle
0: yeah What's your McDonald's order?
1: Uh I wouldn't really stop for McDonald's now. I'd get a McFlurry though, the odd time. Oh,
0: yeah, what mm. McFlurry would you go for?
1: It depends what's on. the, 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 the Yeah, I think the Maltese mm. one is kind of the year, cream right. egg this time of year. Cream oh, egg. Yeah. That's good shout. Yeah. Excellent. Guys, um, I am gonna put us back on topic. Okay. Um Boo. one of the things <laughs> on the cost of living that we have seen rise and has been much reported on um is rents. The one now, thing that the package did not touch. Did not touch them. Yeah. Um, It is something which I know uh, people for profit, I think we talked about it last week, they were coming out calling for, you know, an extension of the eviction ban and stuff like that. Um, One country in Europe, which Ireland is often compared to in many ways uh, due to influx of tech workers and stuff like that, uh, is Portugal. And Portugal uh, last week introduced, well, they haven't yet introduced, but they have outlined a plan for dealing with the country's housing crisis mm. so port- you've been bet into this because you've been off for the last week so this has become almost a passion project for you trying to figure out 100%. what I love this sort of what's stuff what's actually happening so this is unbelievable right so hang on a second there. let me let me get there the first thing which they did was they ended the golden visa scheme so that's something which we've done mm, here we have as well okay. they have a concern about that that's another overlap in, in terms of issue and in terms of action as a result of it the other thing they've done is that they have put a ban on new licenses for Airbnbs and short term rentals that's something a lot of people have talked about here for a long time particularly in cities like Galway where there's a huge tourism based economy and there's no availability of rental accommodation Mm. so no new licenses uh, for Airbnbs or holiday rentals so that's something I'd say would be Mm. somewhat politically popular although some of the owners of these places have already come out and said don't be
3: don't be don't, don't be telling
0: putting us off to, yeah. to
1: me uh, uh, putting tourists in as opposed to um, as opposed to, to, planning to I'm
0: to, planning on getting an Airbnb in Portugal probably not thrilled with that. that measure
1: well no the, the, it's, well, it's yeah. the ones well, the that are existing there ones are still there there's okay, yeah, so yeah. just no new licenses no new ones, so, yeah. um, except for in less populated rural areas they okay. put that exception in there as well uh, the golden visa problem we've already talked about uh, more housing is the name of this scheme in general and um, One measure in this which is actually very interesting. The Portuguese measures would also include the state renting vacant houses directly from landlords for five years in order to put them directly back onto the rental market. We've talked so much about empty properties, Mm. voids as they are known Mm. as by homeless groups and how slow it is to get those back in order Mm. in Ireland. What the government of Portugal says is we're taking all those. We're putting them back in order within five just years. Just
0: yeah. taking ownership of yeah, them yeah. completely.
1: Well, basically, they're taking yeah they're, they're they're taking them directly, or they're going to rent them effectively from the landlords and put them in use. A, they're like it, you can't hoard these things anymore.
2: A, a question I would have there, which I'd be fascinated to hear an answer to, and, w- and whether it could therefore apply here, is whether you can basically compel someone to rent you the place. Mm. That is it a case where you have a landlord who is just sitting on a property who has no major interest in doing an, anything with it, and is the government then being like, hey, you? we're renting this whether you like it or not can you like, basically can you force people into an arrangement
0: yeah like so somebody who's kind of accidentally ended up owning a property maybe they've inherited and they live abroad or something yeah. and the house is and just and sitting, kind of sitting idle, idle. Yeah. Yeah. well the,
1: the, the solution which is often it is used sparingly I would say by county councils here is the CPO where mm. you compulsorily you'd just purchase that, so like, well, that area, that yeah. thing has been sitting there. Yeah, you know, there's there's you could you know, fit two families in that. We'll have that. Mm. It isn't really used as often as some politicians. Yeah, well, would the, like.
2: the issue thing there is that I think you have to go to court to do it, and you have to prove in court that there is no other practicable way that you can achieve the same outcome. Which, when you're talking about yeah. individual one-off houses, is a very cumbersome process to have to go yeah. through just to convince someone to sell it to you.
0: And it's interesting, like, we were just driving through the city there yesterday, like I said, my cousin and his wife are here from Sweden, and like my cousin was like, there's just loads of like, boarded up houses and stuff, things that, like, I I drive through those same roads all the time that I probably nearly, are we that we haven't even noticed, and mm. he was like, he's like, oh, how, what's going on, I thought you said Dublin had like a big housing problem, I was like, oh, they do, and he was like, but Sarah, like, loads of the houses are boarded up, like, we've passed a bunch of boarded up houses, and I was like, oh, yeah I guess we have like I, you know I do feel someone like else with a fresh pair of eyes pointing it out to you I do a feel like there, there
2: are some streets uh, in, inside the canals mm. where you, you become blasé or your eyes glaze That's over That's exactly and, where and we were like actually, yeah. there is actually yeah. That's
0: exactly where we were driving yesterday and he was just kind of like there's loads of boarded up houses I thought you said there was a housing problem here and I was like well there is but, um, You yeah. get it a lot
1: in some town centres as well mm. like the further you get out from Dublin like Dublin has a big problem with boarded up buildings as, as, as you were sort of saying there but you also start, start to see it in town centres across you know the commuter belt as well which again there are properties which could house families. Mm, we have yeah. a, a huge shortage. Some mm. of these buildings are in are actually in good Nick. Mm. And you, you think that, you know, with a little bit of know-how and just a little bit of, here, this is an emergency, let's crack these open. Yeah, it, it's, a cup-
2: it's a couple of years since the last time that I, I remember seeing this. But I remember one drive west one time, uh, and there's a few villages that are along the N4. And I was driving pretty early that morning, and it was like early spring. So there was pretty heavy frost mm. uh, and driving back. So you drive through and, and all the roofs are all sheened over with the mm. frost from from overnight. And when you're driving back in the middle of the afternoon, some of the houses, the frost would be gone. And in other houses, you would still see the frost basically caked in to the ceiling. And what you realise then, or when it's still caked into the roof, unoccupied. is that they're unoccupied. The central heating isn't turned on, so mm. there's there's no way that, that would ever yeah. then melt. And it's only when you see that happen, it's a very crude measurement, but it's a very superficial way of going. God, all those houses are unoccupied. That mm. is interesting. All the time, issue, yeah. and and when you see it, like how many of them are there, just like makes you really wonder why or, or whether it would be possible to invoke. The same sorts of
0: powers the
1: well, government. Yeah. doing well, it. a couple more, just for the to, to complete the list, they're going to introduce a mechanism to regulate rent increases. That's according to Antonio De Costa, the Prime Minister. As well as that, the government is going to offer tax incentives to those landlords who do own tourism properties or short term rentals in order to convert them then into, into houses mm, for okay. locals to rent. Right. Okay. So a lot of these things would be very popular here, but mm. would you see It'd be impossible. Couldn't see this government doing that. That's not a that's not a sort of a but it's it's something which I don't think based on what they've said about things like the eviction ban and about things like you know the way they've handled you know the rent pressure zones mm. Mm. I couldn't see this happening with this government
2: There's two things that you said there in the list which jumped out at me as ones that there would prospectively be legal questions over so the, uh, the state forcing its way into renting a vacant property and the ban outright on getting an Airbnb licence those two strike me as issues that would come up against Ireland's um, constitutional property rights. That if Mm. if you are a landlord that basically there is an implied and it's never been tested in the courts so no one really knows how far it goes. But the state recognises your right to have private property and for you to use that as you wish, Mm. subject to the common good. So it's very difficult then when you if you are a landlord And you have a constitutional right to own your place and to broadly do what you like with it. Mm. It's very difficult for the state then to come in and pass a law and say we are going to force you to rent it to us whether you like it or not. Mm. Or we're going to um, stop you from being able to use it as an Airbnb and to apply for the same licence that someone else can have whether you like it or not. And
0: it's also probably a concerning level of control from the state as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. uh, When it's not a culture that we have. By the way, this is part of the reason why people talk about having a constitutional referendum on the right to housing because Mm. it might to some degree dilute or make more clear that people have the right to own their own property but also people have a right to I have a reasonable expectation of somewhere to live and trying to, to, to re- redress that balance a little bit mm, you
3: but could it,
1: definitely yeah you could definitely see these areas yeah. if, if you introduced or if you went even to try and introduce some of this stuff here you could see it just been logged in the courts for oh, totally, 15 yeah. years in Ireland no no yeah. no totally
0: I know and it's a very difficult one isn't it because you're, you're sort of weighing up the balance between uh, that idea of the state having too much control over an individual's ownership of their property uh, versus as you say the common good and the need for housing just the, the, the broader society like. Yeah, yeah. emergency Like, so it's there's two very you know strong arguments for and against um I just, yeah, I mean, it's funny, like, I suppose even when you kind of like look back at the likes of John B. Keane, the field, like, you know, p- people are very, you know, ownership of property and ownership of land in Ireland is a very, you know, we're we're wedded to it in a mm. way that other European countries aren't, you know what I mean? Mm. I think that our relationship with with property and ownership is is a, is a very... Do you, would one. you say it's a unique one compared to other say, Euro- not unique but maybe I just think we have a different there's definitely cultural a, attachment mm, maybe as well
1: What was interesting though in reading some of the, this stuff is how much of there's an overlap in how it's been treated by society and what the concerns are mm. So a lot of the concerns of some of the opposition groups and some of the like there's a there's a housing for all protest group there as well which is very familiar to <laughs> yeah. those yeah. of us who know that there's a housing for, for all there's a housing as a right group as well So they've all had these protests much in the way that we've seen protests in our country in our cities and towns about this one of the the issues that was raised by the protesters is that if you want more tech jobs to continue to come to lisbon to porto mm. you need to have places for people to live. live. Hmm. And if you want Portuguese people to stay here and to work in these jobs as well at that, well, they have nowhere to live. So they might emigrate, whether that's to Spain or further afield.
0: And we're having this conversation on a day where Google has announced 250 job yeah. losses hmm. in Ireland, yeah. you know, so it's, um, and I mean, look again, that's a huge, like very upsetting for the families and the, and the people at the centre of that. Um, Yeah, you're right. I think in terms of attracting the foreign direct investment, we don't have a place for people to come and actually live at the moment. But even like more broadly than that, if, you know, whatever about attracting investment, even at a level we still have a level of people what is it now 11,000 in hotel accommodation what was the last check? yeah 11,600 11,000, yeah. mm, yeah. so we're already you know we're starting on the back foot of all this and, anyway and that
2: doesn't include couch surfers or people who are exactly. living with their parents yeah, and who exactly. really ought to be old enough who'd be otherwise living independently like it's it's an understatement of of the true yeah, numbers directly mm-hmm. um, you mentioned the people for profit bill to uh, try and extend the current evictions ban which is due to lapse at the end of March and by the way the government is now beginning the process of looking at whether they can extend that beyond March mm. would you be getting into that constitutional property rights issue or what are the, the policy consequences um, that people for profit bill on the day that we're recording this Wednesday um, passed its first vote in the Dáil, Um unexpectedly um, very unexpectedly, because why,
0: why, it unexpected? why unexpectedly? Well, yeah.
2: unexpectedly because the government was opposing it, and yeah. the government has a majority of votes. So you would mm. expect when the government wants something, the government can get it. Okay. it passed unexpectedly because the government forgot to oppose it. Ah, uh, stop! It was what going do you mean through. It was going it? through the door, and what happens at the end of a debate is that um, you know that the bill, the motion is that the bill be read a second time. Is that agreed? And the people who are in favour of the bill go yes, agreed. And the people who are opposed go no, no, not agreed. And the government TDs just. Forgot, they took their eyes off the ball for a second and just didn't go. Were they
0: not in the room? Like no, or? they were there,
2: oh, sitting in the front row. Kieran O'Donnell, the junior minister, sitting beside Leo Veradker, Um just didn't didn't cross his mind or anyone else's mind to go. Not agreed, um, so oh. no vote was called. So it just passed through on the nod which then had the embarrassing vision of Kieran O'Donnell standing up and saying oh that um, I, I was a mistake um, take seat backsies basically didn't mean to take seat um, yeah, Yeah, <laughs> and he, he admitted in his own words um, rookie error um, look we're opposing this so can we can we oppose him like no you missed the boat ah, I, I declared it passed now it's, it's not going to pass it's going to get sent to an Oireachtas committee and it'll get logged jammed and they'll, they'll use other procedural things so that it never goes anywhere but the doll today agreed in principle To a 12 month evictions ban Because the government Forgot to oppose it
3: There
1: you go Well let us know What you think about That bill Or the Portuguese measures Let us know What you think about those Get in touch with us Here on the group chat Welcome back to the group chat. News reaching us this uh, afternoon here as we're recording on Wednesday the 22nd of February. Uh, that it is an end of an era in the Social Democrats. Uh, the co-leaders Catherine Murphy and Roisin Shortall are stepping down as co-leaders uh, after almost eight years at the helm. They say that they're not stepping away from politics. They will focus on their dull work. But they are preparing for an early leadership
2: election. Hmm. Mm. You said end of an era there and I was like, really? And then you said for the Social Democrats and I thought, okay, yes. Very so much is, a self-contained a, <laughs> era. <yes>. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no disrespect to either of, of Roisin Shortall or, or Catherine Murphy because um, by the time of the next general election I think they will have combined... Forty-nine years oh, of, of wow. parliamentary experience mm. between the two there's of them. No, so there's,
1: there's no word as such, and I'm I'm, I'm not sure because I mean maybe it'll come up in the press conference as to whether or not they actually fully intend mm. to run again for the doll. Yeah. Like they say, they're not they're going to stay in politics and they're focusing on their doll work. It's just the leadership yes. role, really.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, So
2: where they're standing down from that, you, you might surmise that um, if they are standing down now, this is a total guess. They could end up running again, and, and no one would hold their age or, or their experience against them. You could surmise that if they're standing down now, it's because they would find it implausible to lead a campaign in two years' time if they themselves were not candidates for the doll. Can I at ask
0: can I ask you just really honestly about the the idea of co leaders and like whether or not that held the party back possibly, that like in some ways do you need a defined character that is the face of a brand the face of a party that sort of gives the party a sense of identity and if you have co-leaders who are you know they're quite different women like you know Mm. I mean they have a lot in common but they are quite different Mm. Um, does that do you think in some ways hold back a party from shaping itself in the landscape and pushing forward
1: I think it's garbage Right, (laughs) Right. I do (laughs) I do think
0: I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not going to hold back on it I
1: think if you have five TDs and two of them are the leaders of the party yeah. Yeah. Six. If what? Six TDs. Okay. Uh, but but six TDs. Is yeah. It? Yeah. Well, you know, if a third of your party are the leaders of your party, <laughs> yes. But like, Not you great. Know, well, well, also, yeah, exactly. sorry, I just want to raise this point because it's just been said at the press conference. They said that they will fully support the new Dem leader or leaders. So they are. Still, uh, <laughs> well, so there's still a possibility. That I the co-leader no, well, structure. Yeah.
2: P- actually, point of information about their own rulebook: there cannot be leaders at this point. You can only have leaders um if the vacancy comes up after a general election where you don't get in I've looked at the party's rules in this instance it will be a leader uh, who takes over and leads him into but the next But like uh, I mean on the point election. of the, co- the co-leader thing
1: like if they are down in the doldrums still they wouldn't consider it to be down in the doldrums but they're down the doldrums of far down the pecking order in terms of the most popular parties in the country mm. would you think a figurehead or a leader or somebody who they can actually, who can, people can point in and say, "Well, that's the party. That's what they're about." I understand yeah. who this politician is and what their feelings are on certain issues. Do you think that helps more having I one person?
0: Yeah, I'll be honest. With you, I think I think it really does. I think that people really get behind and invest in in certain characters and they believe in them and they believe in the uh, identity of an individual who leads a party. I think that Sinn Fein's had a huge amount of success since Mary Lou McDonald took over. I think yeah. that there yeah. are a lot of people who really like Mary Lou McDonald. Um, you know, people who may not have voted Sinn Fein before but vote Sinn Fein now because it's led by Mary Lou McDonald and she has you know clearly had an impact there in terms of giving that party an identity and, and a step forward into the future um, so I really do actually believe that um party leaders and who people choose are, are highly important the co-leadership um, you know albeit again great respect to the two women who've done this totally, job for, yeah. for such mm. a long time and, and such impressive work in many smashing ways smashing parliamentarians yeah we, we could we really yeah. point to a lot of great examples I mean Roisin Shortall on the health committee is unbelievable like she gets in there with questions sometimes and you really think fair play like you know she's been brilliant at the work and likewise with Catherine they've both been been tremendous yeah, but Catherine I think what they're both excellent operators and women in politics 100% you couldn't deny that um, but in terms of giving the party an identity and leadership let's be frank about it Holly Kearns is probably the favourite to lead that party into the future now um, you know hotly tipped I'd say by a lot of people we only had her in here ourselves a couple of weeks ago Holly Kearns is a very <laughs> impressive politician <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a group people, yeah.
1: people do they do the People get behind to Holly Kearns says. and yeah. really
0: like her. And I think Holly Kearns could be a serious operator if she were to take on that role uh, and lead the party. Um, you know, look, it's just from the outside looking in, I think probably just the Sock Dems needs a bit of an identity reshuffle now. People need to understand what is they're voting for and who it is that's going to lead them. The
2: one thing I will say about the co-leadership thing is that it was never a structure that they really designed. Do bear in mind that when the party was founded, there were three TDs. There was the, the two current co-leaders mm. and Stephen Donnelly. And when there were only three of them, they were like, oh, yeah. "Gosh, we're all the we're all the co-leaders." Will he yeah. come back um, now that, that the other two have gone? <laughs>
0: imagine <laughs> what a turn up for the If Donnelly <laughs> decided he wants to be the leader, imagine, of WWE. If that happened, like. le-
2: leaving cabinet to be the leader of the social I, democrats I think it's highly unlikely. Um, I don't it, think it's it, yeah. it would be unlikely because the <laughs> yeah. again, like you've said, Rosi Shortle is was such a good operator in the health committee. Herself yeah, totally. and Stephen Donnelly have but, not really been seeing eye to eye for for quite a while now. But the
0: enjoy the landscape of that.
1: Just on the the oh, this isn't by design. Like they were told by a lot of councillors and members a year and a half ago mm. ditch this this sucks mm. Mm. let's move
2: on from this they didn't they got re-elected so now they are eventually they got, doing they got, they it got, they got re-elected at a party conference yeah. on the basis of their current outgoing thing anyway mm. so evidently most people liked it but they have decided now is the right time and if you think objectively now is the right time because if you uh, don't intend to lead into or run in the next general election look whenever that is um now is the right time to leave because the local elections are the next major national election test. That's May 2024, and that's 15 months away. Um, you should definitely let a new leader run the local elections before a general election campaign. And you need to spend the next 12 months basically getting your candidates sorted. You need to spend a lot of time going around the country, meeting branches, trying to figure out right, who should be the party standard bearer mm. in this area, who's going to contest the local elections. There's work to be done there. There's a lot of work to, mm. be, yeah, done work and, to be done there, and it, there, it should yeah. be done by the leader. And the local elections in turn are very important because the local elections will basically decide who is running for you in the general election. And who, who your mm. candidates are in the general election will decide whether you end up in power or not.
0: And I also think, as well, there's an opening there for the Sock Dems to really hoover up potentially a lot of voters from the likes of. Labour who has been accused of being kind of missing from the landscape over the last you know, many votes there. 12 months well look I know but I, I think that there's you know I mean look as was even to look at that Gavin and, and the change at the helm of, of Labour in the last 12 months has I mean when we talk about the importance of a leader and leading a party mm. in a direction has Ivana Batchik managed to do that do you think uh,
2: no uh, objectively and I don't mean that to be very mm. unkind to Ivana Batchik but I mean the, the the metric is look at the opinion polls and Ivana mm. will tell you well look I wasn't fancy to win my election and I did that's because Ivana Bacic was personally very popular in Dublin Bay South. That mm. doesn't mean that Labour is able to punch above its weight in every other contest across yeah. the country when you don't have national media focusing on one particular leafy corner of Dublin. Um, it, it hasn't worked out at all. And I think that is another instance where the local elections, much like Ford Suck Dames, will be make a rake for Labour because if they can't get a good slate of candidates ready by then, the next general election all those votes are only going to go to Sinn Féin and there's no future no space left for anyone else Mm. as he mentions all of the early reporting
1: is that Holly Curran seems to be the front runner to be the next leader of the Social Democrats this could spark potentially a wave of you know political hopefuls coming on the group chat because they see it as a king-making exercise. <laughs> that what happened? You went on the group chat and then you ended up the leader of a party. Could could happen? It could happen. Zara Kingmaker. There you go, Zara Kingmaker. Uh, one story now we all actually talked about this one um, that is of concern and it is really bringing home, I suppose, the impact um, of climate change in Europe. Um, there has been a shortage of fruit and vegetables. Mm. Mm. In Irish and in British supermarkets, particularly tomato, tomatoes. Not, oh uh, my tomato, God! He oh no. did it. tomato. Will not be allowed back into Russia <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> tomatoes, just tomatoes. Tomatoes. <laughs> uh, tomatoes. You're not going to be darkening the door of the M1. <laughs> apple green and luscious. No way. Uh, tomatoes, peppers, <laughs> broccoli, lettuce, aubergines, and cucumbers uh, have all been affected by this. So what this is is unseasonal weather conditions in Spain and mm. in North Africa as well. Um, So they had
2: 16 consecutive days of sub-zero temperatures in Spain. 16 nights
1: in a row beneath zero, which means a lot of the crops froze. When well, dead, effectively, yeah. they, they they close over. Yeah, to, as it, it becomes survival, then for the for the plants, effectively, mm. yeah, that you're, you're not you're not cutting these open, and this isn't gonna like this isn't. I was gonna, gonna
0: say, work. like, if you're any sort of a climate denier, like, and you're having a, a tomato-free omelette, it's hitting you right where it hurts. You know what I mean? Because it, but I, I mean, we can laugh about it and it can be lighthearted about it, but I mean, this is actually a very serious reality of what we're seeing. A, now. An interesting
2: way that this has could have played out is that it's mm. been sort of weaponized or anti-weaponized in Britain because people are debating whether this is down to Brexit oh or not. God. Oh, uh, li- like they're debating everything. Oh, did did Paddington uh, did, did he lose his marmalade sandwich because of Brexit or what's what's going on? Or do we hate Harry and Meghan because of Brexit? No, oh, there's plenty of other reasons. Um, oh. So, but so there's a combination of there is do we there's, hate Harry and Meghan. Let's not do because this of We're Brexit. Not, We're We're not so that. the climate aspect is so right. So Spain Spain grows a lot of Europe's vegetables in the winter months because it's yeah. got yes. more temperate climate. There's a seasonal yeah. thing and there's an overlap here, which yeah. is very interesting. So then, yeah. so the, is it during spring season that the Netherlands would usually grow a lot, but they they haven't the weather yet either.
1: My my horticultural um, um, you know, being beside horticulture for long longsweeds, well, I said, let me to know this very <laughs> uninteresting fact. What's well, interesting, actually, horticultural spidey in, senses. In, in, yeah. If you're interested in food systems, Spanish season for growing things. To, let's just take tomatoes as the as the overall example. Yeah. Uh, Northern Europe will get a lot of its tomatoes from Spain. The overwhelming majority, in fact, up until the month of March. So obviously now when you're in the month of February you've already had 16 16 days and nights of sub-serial temperatures, that season is effectively brought to Mm. an end. And then what normally happens is tomatoes start coming from the Netherlands from around April. Mm. So automatically already you're seeing there's a bit of a gap there anyway if it's March and April normally. But that's normally bridged handily Mm. enough. Mm. The problem is in the Netherlands now, because of high energy costs Mm -hmm. due to the war in Ukraine, they aren't firing up the effectively they're not warming up the glass houses as early as they normally would oh. so nothing's really coming from the Netherlands at oh, this point. or as early as they could to make up the gap if you knew that it was coming exactly can't yeah, you can't just turn these things on and yeah. off and you're fine there's a big problem and, and we, there's been a lot of I mean there's been a lot of protests around Dutch farming now over the last number of months for multiple reasons particularly around climate but this is a bit of a gap now which is going to struggle to be filled and I actually it's worth mentioning that there is a bit of a shortfall in terms of Irish produce this year as well there was a very bad. Do you remember, there was a very bad spell around Christmas where mm. there was very very low temperatures. Mm. So that was very bad. But as well as that, the summer before, there was a very hot and dry spell in there as well. Right. So these things add up, yeah. and you have a bad bad run. So there's a bit of a shortfall coming from Irish produce as well. Also drives the, pr- the price of these things. I was
0: just going to say, uh, yeah. presumably, it becomes more expensive because the peppers, it's in, 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 in
1: particular, the price then has gone up. I think I'm not sure if it now this is, applies in Ireland. But in terms of wholesale prices, up about three hundred percent. Wow,
0: wow, yeah. I mean, listen. I think it's a, like I think it's a very much a kind of a, a pinch in terms of the lived reality. When you talk about the Irish aspect, then a lot of people now are opting for the grow It yourself method. Like so, um, in Waterford, I don't know if you're familiar with DIY. No. why the Grow It Yourself. They have There's a coffee shop and everything in Waterford where it's they grow all the produce locally and it's a whole movement in Waterford. Grow It Yourself. Now, obviously, Richard's laughing at me because he knows that I, I would fe- He's looking at me yes. going, You
1: haven't a hope of growing From a tomato first, yourself. W- I was laughing at you for two yeah, reasons. Yeah. That was the first one. The second yeah. one is it feels like Eamon Ryan has turned up in the yes. studio with his. <laughs> we'll have our, our salad our, our, boxes to yeah, go. Yeah, the salad yeah. boxes are ready to go. Yeah, yeah, we'll mind. have the south but facing windows actually, what in what government are, buildings. But it is something which is actually. No,
0: I know we're laughing, but I mean, like, I mean, if I. I'll tell you, I did have a tomato free omelet the other day and I thought to myself, if I had my own tomatoes this wouldn't have happened so I mean I wouldn't totally rule out the idea of growing my own tomatoes mm. Where Brexit comes in by in the way I should, I should just close
2: this off because I happen to bring it up there's a debate in Britain as to whether the, the supply shortages there are down to Brexit and it is hard to say empirically whether they are or not but it has had an impact certainly because when there's a shortage of vegetables mm. in, across Europe you of course are less likely to send some of your surplus to a part of Europe where it's slightly more difficult to trade into So if there's a customs barrier in the way of you sending your surplus potatoes from France to to Britain, of course that's going to happen. So Brexit has not caused the climate change, which has resulted in Europe-wide crop shortages, but it certainly exacerbated the fact that you can't get it on the shelves as easily. Yeah.
1: Another thing from Europe, which isn't, it's not related to the food aspect of things, but another sort of sign which should probably kick a few alarm bells on is what's happening in Venice at the moment. So people in Italy... actually I think most people here would have seen over the last number of years there's a lot of concern about the future of Venice as a Mm. city Mm. um, because of rising sea levels Mm. the opposite is sort of the problem at the moment Mm. in that there is fear now that drought is going to be a big big problem in Italy this year Um, there was very little snowfall and precipitation over winter so it was a very dry winter so the canals are effectively running at almost you know at very very low levels this will have an impact I suppose to go back to the food thing on crop production going forward over the course of spring But, you know, even things like supplying electricity through hydro power, which is a big, big thing in Mm, northern Italy and even things like drinking water supplies. So if you're Italian and you're looking at Venice and you've seen you've seen all these stories about, you know, you see all of the squares and all the gondolas like, you know, almost on street level. Mm. And now you're seeing the the same canal channels absolutely
2: empty. Mm. You're seeing this as mm. a very big warning. So you're saying that it's yeah. it's more when you see the footage on like a, a no comment on a Euronews or something, and you see all the gondoliers basically beached. That it's more than just puddles. Like it's that. more than just yeah. gondoliers g- and, and at issue here. Yeah, but i are talking it's, about it's sy- a, systemic food shortages it, now.
1: It would be like if you saw here. If you saw, it's not even the same thing. If you, if you, if you saw the Liffey bone dry. You wouldn't be just like, oh, well, the, the liffy's dry. That's a bit of an inconvenience there. No. If you're, if for those, you know, those mm. rowers who you see on Saturday morning going up and down, you think the does a
0: lot more than provide a space for rowers. Yeah, right? you're, yeah. you're
1: like, what the hell is about to happen, mm. or what is happening? What are the knock-on effects of this? Mm. Like, it will hit you somewhere in a sort of an emotional level as well. If you mm. see that sort of, like, this is this is I mean, this is the trademark yeah. of the city. Yeah. But, but it's, it's, sign, a it's a sign of crop dry.
2: failure everywhere in, in Leinster. Then if there's no liffy mm. to irrigate that whole region as well, mm. so that's a whole other thing. So yeah.
1: Things not looking great for Europe on the on the climate change front because we often do almost consider this Sarah, as something of a you you see the impact or the creation of climate change through you know fossil fuels and all that as a being something which we do here in the developed world mm. or in Europe or in the West and then you see the impact of that in you know places around you know the Horn of Africa and stuff like that in terms of drought. Yeah. But, the impact's
0: coming closer to home I was just going to say I do think sometimes it's, it's easy to believe that maybe it's over there but yep. it's not over there anymore it's actually on our doorstep it's in our homes it's not in our omelettes so that's <laughs> can the reality can
2: I, can I insert a, a retroactive Gav doing Gav things go fact on, about the ahead. vegetable shortages I'd love that the original colour of carrots is purple Stop. Carrots oh, were yeah. genetically engineered By the Dutch to be orange In honour of their royal family Stop mm. I didn't know that was the reason But you still You occasionally see purple carrots Yay. And they're treated as some kind of exotic sub-variety That they've been bred that way Actually no The orange carrots Are the ones that have been it's bred It's a big
1: sign way. of one of those supermarkets Where you only get Where you, where you can't get little plastic bags To put your, your vegetables in it's mm. One of those very organic things If you see purple carrots Purple carrots Yeah <laughs> Uh, Gav, one thing you saw this week which you were very interested in in talking about, obviously people will have seen probably the most, I think it's well one of the most momentous things we've seen in the international stage in a long time is Joe Biden travelling to mm. Kyiv, yes. uh, effectively into the middle of a war zone uh, to mark the first anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But getting a US president into Ukraine... By secret. Secretly,
2: yeah. Mm. Uh, which brings us to the glorious phrase which didn't exist before this week, Rail Force One. Now, Joe Biden used to always be uh, known when he was a long-standing member of the US Senate. They used to always call him Amtrak Joe yes, uh, because he made a point of never actually living in DC even though the, the commute was pretty hellish from Delaware to DC. He would take the train every morning and every evening because family circumstances were tricky he lost a wife and things were, were always ropey mm. so he would always make a point of going home at the end of the day Amtrak Joe um, Joe Biden spent 24 hours uh, on going from Poland to Kiev and spent 4 hours on the ground and 20 hours on a train wow. and this is actually common enough practice for, for world leaders now obviously the secrecy involved in bringing Joe Biden there is an extra level and I might come back to that in just a second but the process of getting him to Central Kiev involves getting a train from uh, a border town in Poland. Uh, under basically cover of darkness you hand over all of your phones Malika, so that there's no yeah I think so uh, I actually I'll, I'll find the exact train mm. station in, in just a moment um, but you you get on the train there you hand over all phones so that nobody can, oh, it's can do any kind of
0: any kind of GPS
2: tracking uh, and 10 hours basically literally under cover of darkness they're all done overnight um, you get on the train and no one can follow you uh, and this is uh, particularly interesting then from the perspective and, and people like when we sometimes it's tedious when we talk about the practice of the media but actually how the media follow someone in this instance is is amazing um, Joe Biden is always followed by a small number of um, what are called pool reporters because mm-hmm. um, it's as we've mentioned in the podcast before it's not possible for everyone who wants to go to be able to follow him on every uh, possible trip so there's always a couple of representatives from the press pool who have to follow him somewhere two people who followed him um, on the pool They were uh, summoned to a private meeting on Friday with the communications director of the White House, uh, and who was told, "Right, um, you are going. You are now sworn to secrecy. Um, You are going to be going uh, on early Sunday morning to Andrews Air Force Base, just outside Washington. The email, the email that you get is going to tell you that these are the instructions for how you are travelling to the golf tournament, and you are getting uh, on the plane at a quarter past two on Sunday morning, and uh, you're not allowed to tell anyone where you're going. You're driven to a smaller Air Force jet." Then you're going to go to a different Air Force base where you're going to be departing Air Force One and then you're going to be getting Air Force One uh, on a flight to Ramstein Air Base. Then you're going to be refueling, then you're going to be skies up again and you're not allowed to tell anyone what you're doing until the moment that you land. I think it's, it's actually bizarre that you would have like reporters basically in transit for like the guts of 24 or 30 hours not allowed to tell anyone where they are
1: <laughs> did you see the the, the detail of when the, like the plane was taking off from Andrews or wherever it was like that they were like okay shut us down all the
2: way mm. don't want anybody getting a long lens photo of Joe Biden or whatever sitting there in the plane because no. it's, it's, it's a different yes. plane to the usual Air Force yes, because, uh, which, which is interesting because then there was a lot of reporters who were following Joe Biden to this Warsaw security conference that he was spending the week at and they thought that they were getting on the plane on Air Force One at early hours on Monday morning and they got on the Boeing 747 that has the logo on the side but it's not Air Force One because it's only ever Air Force One when the president is on the plane. Mm. Uh, so they were they were on the flight but the flight was just US Air Air Force flight blank from Washington to wherever it is Wow! Um, because Joe Biden had made the travel in secret with only two reporters who never in the course of 24 hours or thereabouts following him never actually got to see his face. They were literally driven to an Air Force base right you're getting on this plane then you're getting on that plane then you're getting on that plane then you're getting on a train and only when they saw him walking to greet Vladimir Zelensky on Monday morning did they realise did they uh-huh. ever get to, to lay eyes on him yeah. what do you make of the visits Zara I
1: mean obviously it's a it's a big big yeah. signal at this
0: point major signal of yeah. support what major yeah I mean look I think it's really like it's hugely significant Um, it's a huge mark of respect I suppose from Joe Biden to the people of Ukraine and certainly it's an absolute ring endorsement that uh, the US is backing Ukraine every step of the way I mean like i suppose not like not to labor the point too much but like it was such a high risk operation to put joe biden into ukraine into a war zone like that i mean to take that risk means that it, there's like clearly clearly America has decided like they will back Ukraine to the very end on mm. this mm. Yeah. advised against it as well apparently yeah. by, by some reports yeah. as well
2: The uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly but the train station that's near the border where everyone takes their train from I think is called Premzil Global. So is it's pr-
0: I think it's pr- I, I could be wrong now somebody's going to tell me I think it's Sheshmel is how you pronounce it that would the that P is silent or something would look like it's an approximation it's of like what's like there yeah. oh, we were there um, when we were on the border last year uh, same
2: journey that Miho Martin took when he went yeah. to uh, meet President Zelensky when he was Taoiseach late last year that the, again under cover of darkness that a, a single RT reporter was told right we're making this trip now but you're not to tell anyone mm. literally until you're there and, and only when you're on the ground are you allowed to then disclose that you've you've made the travel but also the reporter realises
0: that their life is at risk as well by divulging oh yeah, well so that, it's, it's everyone knows security. it's pure security Yeah, mm. so there's no no doubt about that so yeah
1: One um, Ukraine adjacent story which caught my eye this week just to finish on this um there's been a lot of like talk, and there's a lot of concern around the West around espionage and Russian spies and all that sort of stuff at the moment. So there's a man called David Smith, and this story got great coverage in the UK over the last number of days. He pleaded guilty um, to cases of espionage. He was a security guard at the at the British Embassy in Berlin, okay. um, and he was he was rumbled effectively. I just want to read this passage or, or excerpts from this passage in the Times, which to me raise a few red flags as to why they didn't suspect this man might have been involved in something in terms of working with, with, with <laughs> Russia. Uh, so he's employed as a security officer at the Berlin Embassy in 2016. Uh, after joining, his social media posts included a photograph of Russia's imperial flag with a tribute to Arsen Sergeyevich Pavlov, the Russian leader of the Sparta Battalion, which is fighting the Ukrainian army. He also posted an image of the flag of the so-called Donetsk People's Republic with a slogan reading Donetsk is Russian. Smith also said that he doesn't trust the mainstream press so followed online conspiracy theorists including David Icke who is the chamber,
2: the, lizards yeah, the lizard guy, guy the yeah. reptilian
1: guy says so the royal family are all lizards and stuff oh. like that um
2: among other things Among other things
1: um, At the time of his arrest Following an undercover Sting operation By MI5 In August 2021 I'm not going to get Into the details Of the sting operation But they are hilarious yeah.
3: <laughs> It doesn't sound like They
1: needed much of a sting It sounds like he was Pretty transparent About his beliefs He described himself On social media As anti-NATO Anti-EU Anti-American His Ford Fiesta Had the registration plate RU-1801 The first two letters Of Russia Followed by the year That Alexander I Became Tsar
2: Smith also This is just too much of is this
0: he is So this
2: guy Is is Working on security For one NATO country At the embassy Based in another NATO country Yes and, and this None of what you're saying Apparently raised a
0: flag Until they Not, not I I mean, a concern Talk about employers Checking your Facebook page oh, I mean man. this is
2: Not <laughs> a concern
1: whatsoever So his wife He's lived with his wife Svetlana In a post-war block In the fashionable Berlin suburb Of Potsdam He had a Russian flag In their living room A life-sized Rottweiler toy Wearing a Russian hat they're a Russian hat is uh, a Soviet era military cap various books about young female Russian snipers and what I think is just the crowning glory of it he had a John le Carre spy novel and characters in John le Carre novels double agents they always work with the Russians mm. It's great stuff like didn't really disguise himself to be honest so I mean, basically
2: this is the scene from Father Ted where he comes back and somebody has hung up all the paraphernalia and he's like I can explain this and then goes wait no I can't except this guy lived with the paraphernalia up around his gaff all the time yeah. and was posting we stuff driving around in the car driving around says, <laughs> in the car that says Russia 1801 and posting stuff that's like NATO is dreadful glory to Russia Donetsk is Russian uh, and and no, uh, nobody was like wait a minute is this the guy we should, we should might be trust with our secrets it, 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 sensational it,
1: you think all these things are super secure though and like this guy had for over five years posted loads of like up Russia down the west and he was still working as the UK embassy's oh security guard in
0: Berlin I cannot
1: it would it would make you question these things but anyway he's spending the next 13 years in prison uh, after leaking secrets to what you know the British um described as a hostile power so there you go if you ever think you're too you know you wouldn't get off well as a spy mm. the story of David Smith will tell like, you
2: that you could do quite successfully if you have imposter <laughs> <for laughs> syndrome in espionage or anything else just remember <laughs> Did you ever story? think it dawned
1: on or do you ever think he's like do you know what Maybe I won't post the InfoWars story on <laughs> on Twitter today. Like, like,
2: there's a danger that I might be like revealing, my, blowing my cover here now. Maybe maybe I should cover my tracks just a little bit more and not post all this Russian propaganda.
1: But like, even <laughs> if you're in any job, if you're in any job, it doesn't matter if you're working for the British Embassy or you're working for I don't know any tech company or any company. Mm. Learned, if you're posting stuff against your employer, yeah, it's not great. No, you'd be you'd it's be you'd be wondering when you get the call from HR. Mm.
0: But clearly I mean, Her Majesty's
1: is. government like ah. I mean, going go for your <laughs> yeah, performance review
2: and they're like listen we have a concern about the the political sentiment that you're sharing online <laughs> just wanted to check in with you see how you're getting on and have a few questions
0: about some of the things yeah. that you might have posted mm-hmm. and
1: also is that a Rottweiler toy wearing a Russian hat um, are you
0: happy in your role <laughs> yeah. do you think you see your future here with the British yeah, government and their opportunities for advancement yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah so anyway we survived um uh, this week in, in the bunker mm.
0: yes thank you yeah. real
1: success bunker I special I actually yeah. kind of enjoyed this to be honest had, had to do
2: fun. a yes. permanent
0: move to the yes. bunker I mean it, uh, was, it was lovely uh, don't forget to vote for us in the gossies
2: yes uh, a goss.ie which we all uh, just
0: realised is on in about a week it's literally 10 days time <laughs> I didn't uh, so it's a flying was. up
2: so, so get your votes in very quickly Heart- no, sorry
0: by the way can I just tell you something did you realise that the dress the, for the night is a theme yes circus themed mm. what are you going to wear you wearing clown shoes I'm not going to be there are you not going now? No, I can't. Is this you telling us that you're not I going? I can't. On Only literally before the show,
1: I really <laughs> sorry, sorry, goss team. I, I have a, I have a stag do at which we're going to Bingo Loco. So, <laughs> <I'm> not uh... <laughs> Bingo
0: Loco. Can I come? No, it's a stag like, Well, then you'll be skipping the mind. Gossies. No, actually, sorry. So is this you and I go to the Gossies then? I guess so, Are yeah. You're going to wear clown shoes.
2: We have to discuss how we're going to meet the theme now. Okay. Circus is the theme, isn't it? Circus yeah. is the
0: theme if anyone has any ideas how I can dress in a circus theme for the Gossies please DM me Top on it Top hat greatest showman <laughs> vibes is what you're looking for. I don't at. feel like I have no face T-shirt
2: hats. with Britney Spears album artwork it's a good album yes right dibs on that idea you okay, can have that okay 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 <laughs> thanks so as yeah. always and
1: in particular this week I suppose to, to to Ross, Maxine, Gareth and everyone who's worked on the show mm. and has been keeping the show running here yes. at Virgin Media Terrace because they have put in some Trojan errors over they the last number of days here. and we will do uh, until systems are fully restored but from now Gavin, Sarah thank you so much see you all next week Bye. bye